Hello and welcome to Midlife Athlete Podcast. I'm your co-host, uh, Jason, and as ever, I'm joined by my mate, Greg. Evening, Greg. Evening. How are you? I'm very good. And you? Very well. Very well. We're talking yeah. to Switzerland today, aren't we? Yeah, we are. We're going international today. Yeah. And uh, you and I are no strangers to cycling up hills, but... No. Um, our next guest has, uh, well, I mean, basically, it looks like we just went for a little walk in the park, really. Yeah. Um, welcome, um, Nima. Welcome from Switzerland. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. Good to see you both. No, it's a, it's a, it's a real pleasure. So uh, I'll just do the intro. You, um, in March this year, early March, you, and I, I apologies if I've got this slightly wrong, and I'm sure you'll correct me, but you became only the fourth person to have completed a quadruple Everestin, which we'll come on to in a moment. And I think it's I'm correct in, in saying that you that you set a new world record in doing that. Yeah, spot on. 38,700 right. metres. Right. So for the <laughs> listeners who may not be aware, and I know Greg wasn't when I chatted him about <laughs> you, um, what is Everestin? Yeah, so to put it uh, simply, it's you, Everestin as a concept, you climb a hill or a mountain consecutively or as many times as possible. On a bike, on a bike. On a bike, and actually they have a running event, or you can run as well, it doesn't matter. But you have to go up and down the same, a hill or mountain. So Primrose Hill in London, you'll have to do that, whatever, four or five hundred times. until you reach the height of Mount Everest, which is 8,848 meters, and that's essentially one Everest. And that will take, I think, the, the, the record, the fastest time someone's done it, I think, is sub-seven or seven hours, incredibly fast. Wow. Um, this wasn't a time period that we were going for. This was just maximum elevation um, in a one-ride one setting. There's strict rules that govern it. You can't sleep. You can't sleep. Um, you cannot sleep at all until you've done the first Everest, um, and then you get wow. two hours sleep per Everest. You can take as many rest breaks, um, but you can't actually get a and kind of you know shut eye for like five ten minutes here and there. But um, yeah, you can't you can't go to sleep at ten o'clock and wake up at six o'clock six a.m. and decide to have a full day. Just pause the Garmin and carry on, basically. Uh. <laughs> and you. <clears throat> you did this to raise, I mean, it's astonishing, really. Um, you, you you did this to raise money for a friend of yours, uh, David Rogers, who's suffering from uh, blood cancer. Um, and, and you raised a raised a heap of money. Um, but, and we'll come on to some of your other adventures, which which you kindly shared off air before we, we, we uh, pressed the record button. But why, why did you choose Everestin? Look, it all starts from an idea. And that's really what this was. Um, I, I, I sometimes try to make it sound more complex than it than it than it is, but unfortunately, it kind of kills the conversation. This was an idea that I had come up with. Um, I was living in Geneva, where we ever said was five or six kilometers away, because Geneva is close to the French border. There's a mountain which is absolutely it's called the Salev or the Quazette in this case. Um, what's great about it? It's you know. Uh, 700 meters of elevation um, per climb. Um, I was moving to Zurich. You have a new job, new apartment. There was, you know, things were changing. So it was a challenge. Last year, I had Everested twice. 
um, I had Everested two mountains in Switzerland. And at the end of it, I kind of just thought to myself, I could have carried on. So with some events throughout the year um, and, and, and training and so on, I thought, okay, well, let's give this a go. And I had half Everested. I had kind of got to 6,000 meters. And I thought, okay, well, this is possible. Um, I think it's managing your effort. That's really, I think, Everesting what's key is about life, managing your effort, managing your fuel, having a support crew. Because let's not forget, you know, at 1,200 meters in March, it's, it was still winter, mm. Um, mm-hmm. minus six degrees descending. You know, sometimes you're descending in one, sometimes two ski jackets descending, coming down. And when you want to go back up, um, you take your jacket off, you want to put it in the car, but it's 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 damn too cold. So you keep the jacket on and you ascend back up. So logistically, um, I had an incredible support crew. We had a, a, a couple of camper vans at the top or a camper van at the top, another car. Um, you eat a heap load of food. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> even want to... Yeah. So just <laughs> did, you, did you just did you just drive up a kebab van and just leave it at the top? Yeah, that's not that's not the idea. Probably not not kebab, but more pizza. Pizza's kind of <laughs> pizza, my food to pizza, go. Okay. And porridge. And porridge, yeah. Um, you get to the point, however, after day two, you just want more fatty foods. Um, so salmon, um, avocado. That's the kind of food that really somehow keeps you going. Because carbs, maybe if you're doing high intensity, you want to get that carb intake in. I think on an event like this. Um, I had actually gained six, seven kilos before the event intentionally because I was going to lose it all because right. I had, had one, a month earlier when I had half Everested or I did 30 hours up the same mountain a month earlier, I lost four kilos. Didn't want to go through that again. Mm. So bulk up, gain a bit of weight. Yeah, power to what ratio is, who cares? I mean, you're not, it's not about, this is, you know, you're pushing 150 to maybe 180 watts. I've um, got to say, this is probably the first ever cyclist I've spoken to who's who's talking about gaining weight before an event. I mean, everyone's, I've got to buy new pedals to shave off 350 grams or whatever. You know? <laughs> Here we have the guy going, right. Lard me up. I need. I need to. I need to gain some weight. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> Where do I sign up? <laughs> so, Nima, how much weight did you actually lose in in this attempt? Um, I actually didn't lose much. Maybe a couple of kilos. So, you <clears throat> normal weight around 74, 75 Um, ended up and went up to about eighty one. Um, and then kind of dropped down to about 70, 73, 74. Um. And then days, maybe a week, up to a week after, um, you just you just got this urge just to eat meat. That's all I had. You just got no uh, pasta, pasta, rice, porridge. None of that means anything to you. You know, you just want to do. And, and the last thing you want to do, look, the legs and the legs. I always say this. Um, the common question is, when do you sleep? You kind of have little cat naps here and there, but you don't really sleep. You can't really sleep when it's that cold. And and, and the challenge you always have is. You get into a camp, it's minus five degrees. You get into the camper van. You don't want to go back out. Hmm. So, you know, it's, and and, and the, I, I had hundreds of riders come out with me because that entire region is just full of people. And obviously word gets around of different cycling clubs. So I probably had maybe four or 500 riders come out throughout the, throughout the days. That's brilliant. And what's amazing is the, the questions you get asked, right? It's, um, 
stuff that's completely irrelevant, but people ask you anyway, you know, like what's your, what's your gear ratio? <laughs> you know, uh, running uh, running a uh, you know a compact uh, with a 30 you know 11 11 32 cassette at the back or um why did you um what's the best one is uh um you know what's your what's your tire pressure okay random question okay i, 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 I pump it up to 90 psi okay but oh that's that's too much so it's, people just want to talk to you, right? And they ask you all sorts of questions. What do you eat is a good one. That's that's fair. What do you eat? Um, but you reach a point as well. You just you just kind of just pedaling away, you know. It's mm. uh, it's just one lap at a time. So you you did this <clears throat> over what was it four days? Four and a half days. So it's like it was yeah. one hundred and fourteen hours of. 114 hours total ride time or but kind of 75 80 hours of actual time on bike right so and what was i mean what's the what i mean did you did you decide to have a sort of plan of when you were going to rest and 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 mm. you know take these breaks bearing in mind that you can take breaks as you say be, between the everests as it were um and what's what what did that look like, and how did it actually materialize? Uh, yeah, because no, I guess it changed. No, absolutely, Jason. So six weeks prior, when I did the thirty hours, um, this is one thing I realized was I'm going to need more food. Um, I had kind of put mitigating factors and resolved lots of issues. So gloves. What do you do with gloves? Okay, you wear thermals. You wear a pair of um gore or asos winter free over free gloves that sorts you out shoes what do you wear well you're descending your feet are going to freeze you wear winter shoes okay yes they're two and a half or they're three kilos but this isn't about mm. again this isn't about how quickly can i get up and down the mountain this is about let's, let's achieve what, we, what we've come here to achieve the one thing we couldn't resolve was avoiding the cold and that was my biggest fear because if there's anything that's going to get you you're gonna you're gonna ascend up. You're gonna be sweating, and you're gonna descend down, absolutely freezing. That that sweat, it, it absolutely just for your morale and your physique, it, it just destroys you. So the solution we came up with was we we put a car at the bottom, and every time I descend, I descend down in a ski jacket. Whenever I've descended down eight or nine times, and someone's coming up, they'll bring those eight, nine, ten ski jackets to the top, and then I go and then do it again. I mean, I, w- I was descending down in my in my wife's jackets at one point because everything was in the car <laughs> at the bottom. But in terms of to answer your question, so um, the strategy was not to sleep until the first 27, 28 hours. Um, in tr- just generally, I find that um, from doing events before both running and cycling. I know kind of what my tolerance is, where I can, where I can, how far I can push it. And I wanted to get the first Everest in done, which I think we did in about 17, 18 hours. And then it was, okay, I get, I get two hours, two hours kip. I build a buffer and then we take it from there. Um, So there's certain things we managed in training. Nutrition was one. Okay. Well, you don't just want to rely on gels on an endurance event like this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what is that proper food? Well, my happy place is pizza. That works. Spaghetti doesn't do my stomach too well. Porridge is a really, really good place. So sometimes, you know, I'll go out there with a kilo kilo of um, porridge, try that out. So there was a bit of thought in this, 
um, but up until maybe you know 30 hours when I did it um, prior, it was 13,000 meters up the same mountain, a different side of the mountain. Um, but there's a, there was a lot of unknown, right? Because when I had done 30 hours, it was kind of, yeah, part of it's in the night, but not to this extent, not this cold. Thankfully, it didn't rain. That was in our favor. Had a good support crew. That was in our favor. But this is around just, look, you just got to, you're going you're gonna to face issues all the time. And yeah. this ultimately comes <clears throat> down to when that happens, what do you do? Right. Bike doesn't work. Fine. Give me, give me a backup bike. We had a backup bike. Okay. Second bike doesn't work. What do we do? We take a backup, a, 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 you know, back, a plan C. We had a mechanic come every single day, change the brake pad, check the discs, spray the disc, clean the bike. So we did what we could do. I mean, I, look, you, you, you get a saddle saw during a ride. Let's say you go on a five-hour ride, you get a saddle saw on, on, on the fifth hour or at fourth hour. What did you do, quit? So there were so many people that had turned up, and I, I kind of broke down in the first six, seven hours because I'm looking at my Garmin. We started at midnight, so midnight, kind of Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Um I'm looking at my Garmin at eight o'clock in the morning and I'm like three and a half thousand, four thousand meters. We're not even 10% there and I'm broken. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, you know, my, my feet hurt. I've got saddle sores already. Like this is not how I expected it to go. So you're breaking down and your crew are kind of looking at each other thinking, bloody hell, you know, do we just wrap up shop now and all go home? <laughs> but you just plow on, lap after lap. You know, mentally there's a, and I've done this before, is, you know, you have little milestones, you have little goals. This doesn't, I didn't turn up and say, I'm going to, you know, do the most elevation. The, the original plan was to do 50,000 meters. We could have stayed overnight and done 50,000 meters, but we had a plan. We wanted to start at a certain time. We wanted to finish Sunday at six o'clock. Um, we bought we bought hundreds of cyclists together, um, and it was an incredible event. You know, we raised a lot of money for charity. Um, created an incredible YouTube video on the back of it. But when you're faced with these adversity moments and these times when you want to quit, I think this is this is really what determines whether you're going to succeed and how badly you want it. Nima is is. It sounds like that facing adversity is sort of what drives you to do these things. Is it? Is it sort of you face those challenges and that's what that's what makes it special? Uh, yeah, it's it, look. It's maybe yes and no. I think I've. I'm. I think as human beings, we're goal driven. I think we set ourselves goals and we target those goals. I think we are, I think wishing for it is, you know, we wish for a lot of stuff, but is how, how, how badly do you really, really want it? Mm. That's what it comes down to, right? You can't just wish for it. And I don't know, I want to, I want to do a sub free, sub free marathon or, you know, I want to do Milan San Remo in under 10 hours or whatever, and just rock up on the start line and expect, expect to do it. No, you got to work for it. Right. And it's, um, you, you do what you can um, and then you just, you plow through, you have a plan and if it works, it works. And if it doesn't work, you like, you take lessons from it and then you move on. 
and it's, it's a hobby. But can I just ask, there's, there's two questions, really. First of all, why did you do it in March when it was going to be so cold? Yeah, fair question. Um, short answer. Um, new, new, um, so living in Geneva, new job in Zurich. Uh, okay. um, I'm in banking, so fairly long hours. I was joining another, another bank. I was moving from an American bank to a Swiss bank. Um, again, with the new apartment and everything else, like all of these things, you join a new, you join a new company, you've got to meet and greet and get to know people mm. like, you know, integrate and all of that stuff takes time. And it would have been, I mean, you're dealing with kind of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, for weeks after the event. I bet. And, you know, you wake up at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and you're looking for your bike helmet because you think you need to go out and go out and ride. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you laugh, but, but it, it's, it's real. Well, the, the other question was, you, you, chose, you chose the mountain um, – but I was looking at the stats, and it, it, the average gradient was eight point nine percent. That's quite punchy, and to, so that's the average. So, why did you choose that particular mountain? What was what was? I mean, let's face it; they're all quite punchy around <laughs> around, uh, around Geneva. But um, yeah, why that? It's a it's also a good question, though, Greg, because if you look at Everest in and you and you read some. Um, uh, you know, people's stories are out there, Everston. Choice of the climb seems to be quite one of those critical components because you you don't want something that's crazy steep, but likewise you don't want something that's shallow and just goes on forever as well. So, yeah, it's a, he's going to say it's just because it was next to him. Because it was no, there. <laughs> you know what? It's, um, it's so interesting you said this. Um, so the, the, the that so the Salev itself has four ways to go up. That side of the Quazet is the steepest side. And the pros and the, the, the racers out there don't even they, they don't even train up there. Um, one, because it's ridiculously steep. And two, the, the, the descents are, are very technical. So I've, I've broken four pairs of rim wheels just because of the overheating and the braking. That's how technical that that. Um, that descent is so no one ever does it so when it when when the idea came about that i wanted to do that side um i was advised against it what i like about it however the surface quality is really good because no one so, rides on it <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was virgin tarmac <laughs> and then you turned up <laughs> and there's these there's these divots all the way down now. Yeah, he's worn grooves <laughs> in it. Grooves number of times he's gone up and down. <laughs> like a slalom skier. No, that's that's I think that that sums up kind of what the the surface quality is great. So at three o'clock in the morning, the last thing you want is to go over a pothole because mm. that's it. Seventy k an hour, you're done. Um, and providing you could feather the brakes, and I had there was a, we had a good bike a good bike sponsor. Um, Russia, who was who was sponsoring the bike, we were we were pretty. I was pretty confident with with going up and down it. And again, the, the, the steeper the steeper the ascent, also the quicker you kind of get it done, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was going that was going to be one of my questions about the descent because I've watched the YouTube video, by the way, which I, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Everyone needs to ha have a look at that. There's some. Um, he made he makes it look fun, uh, which I'm sure it wasn't. But <clears throat> the descending bit, because Greg and I, um, we did uh, Mont Ventoux three times at the, th and we did 
we did at one point consider the six um mm-hmm. and we realized that we would probably be descending in the dark and uh we thought well might be safer to have a car and i wondered if did you have a car following you down to sort of light the road or did you just do it on on headlamps just on headlamps so i had um i have you have a lupin blinker blinker uh, that's the brand and uh it, it it lights up the road like like a ufo is about to attack the, the mountain <laughs> i mean it's 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 an incredible light so um, I had kind of the Lazin 1000s at the very front, which were good. Um, but the issue with them was that they would run out very quickly. So after after about, you know, two or three, two or three ascents and descents, they're kind of done. Um, the looping blinker helped because you, you didn't, ha- you kind of, your concentration and your fatigue is kind of kicking in as the days go on. So you, the last thing you want to think about is, you know, is that a rock? Is that a is that a deer? And you see that, right? You, you're ascending or you're descending, and you see deer, and you see all of a sudden there's a, a whole patch of rocks in front of you. And the good thing was, I had confidence in my support crew that they were constantly sweeping up the road mm. or, or, or checking it. Mm. So I could descend like a madman, knowing that you know what, I have a job. My job is just to ride up and down. That's it. They had a job too sweep the road, feed me, change me, just literally fill up my bidons. That, that, they, they took that part of it completely away from me. So I think everyone had a role here. Mm. And, you, and you can see that from the video because the support crew is, I mean, uh, I mean, you, it looked like you had huge numbers of people. It was incredible. You had, you had, you had Geneva cyclists, you had, um, um, you know the steel wheelers that kind of go up there every Wednesday Wednesday evening. You had bike passion. You had a whole bunch of cycling groups that came out and supported the event. And I think what's great is this. Like I said, this all started with an idea. Um, when the idea, when we kind of got together, like the, the the core group of five or six people got together, um, no one shot the idea down. Everyone was kind of like, okay, it's cold. Um, if it rains, it's going to be a problem. It didn't rain, um, but it's possible. And I think I come back to it. This was, you know, what was achieved was was on the verge of impossible. You know, people go up there once and once, once you know, all week, and you did it fifty-seven times nonstop, or I guess with breaks, breaks mm. as well. So, yeah, it, you know, you have. Like, I, 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 I always say. If, if if the idea is strong enough and you really believe in it and want it, it's possible. And I've proven that, right? Not just in this event. You know, we have we have something called Tour de Lac, Lac Le Mans, which is 170 kilometers. Now that's my I religiously used to do that when I was in Geneva every Sunday. 170 K. So 100, 100 plus miles every single Sunday. I will start at six, seven o'clock in the morning. I'll be back at lunchtime. Now, one day I got up and I said, I want to do it twice. So I did 340 kilometers. And then a few weeks later, I was like, that felt good. Why don't we try it four times? So let's do 800 kilometers. Took me 24 hours, got on a bike, and I just cycled nonstop. So, again. You you are married, yes? <laughs> for, for now, yes. <laughs> married, 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 no kids. I think. Ah, okay. um, 
but not that that's an excuse, right? Because, you know, there's people who have kids and they're doing crazy stuff too. Mm. But I think not having kids does make this a little bit easier, right? Neba, can I just ask you, so, so how old are you? Uh, 40 this year, 39 currently. Okay, right. Okay, so yeah, you sneak in into middle age, don't you? I, 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 I think I, I think I fit the 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 the, the, yeah. the category for the podcast. He, de- the he definitely the fits the criteria. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I mean, you mentioned this other crazy event before we came on air, which um we we need to talk about because it's 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 a it sounds absolutely bonkers but but we need to talk about it because you're about to go back and put yourself through it again tell us about this running event that you have won and you're about to do again in about a, a week's time is it correct yep right yep absolutely 24 thursday i think it's 24th at 11 o'clock uk time a.m that's when it starts right so tell us about the event and tell us about how you've won it before so um kind of let me let me start with what it is the backyard ultra again simple concept you run you run 6.7 kilometers at the top of the hour so 12 o'clock that's when it starts and then you run another 6.7 kilometers at one o'clock then two o'clock then three o'clock and you keep running 6.7 kilometers until essentially you're the last man standing. So everyone gets the DNF, did not finish medal or cup or whatever you want to call it, until there's only one winner. Now, if you finish your lap in under an hour, you have, let's say you finish in 50 minutes, you have 10 minutes to eat, to sleep, to use the bathroom and do whatever you want. But at the top of that hour, when they, when they blow that whistle, if you're not in the box, you're disqualified, and then you carry on running. So last year, I was on the waiting list for this event in Whitaker. So Whitaker is in Zurich, the event that I have next year, or sorry, next week. Um, and I basically rocked up with a backpack. And I see a whole bunch of people who have caravans and 10, 15 pairs of shoes and 50 T-shirts and a portable toilet. And you <laughs> name it, you know, chasing the cream and the rest of it. I thought I was at the wrong event. Um because I had one pair, I had the, the, the pair of shoes that were on me. I had, I think, two t-shirts and um, yeah, and a couple of shorts, and that was it, and maybe a towel. So the the whistle went off at, at six o'clock. It started at the time, and we kept, we just went on lap after lap after lap after lap. I think there was fifty people that started. I, I was number fifty-one on the waiting list. I managed to um, basically get on that waiting list to get a, get an entry to to start. I look around me, I think, at lap 24, and usually what happens now from experience, lap 24, you've kind of your field of 50 turns into a field of 25. And the reason people want to get to the 24th hour, because when you get to 24 hours, you've done 160 kilometers or 100 miles. So that in its own is a milestone. Hmm. Got to, from lap 25 to lap 30, I turned around and there was five people left. Okay. Felt great. Just carried on running. And there's a video on that I can share with you guys as well. Um, carrying on running, and then, um, yeah, to cut the long story short, there was me and a lady um, on lap 33. She went out, didn't finish the lap, and then I won basically a lap 34. And then that same year, so October 2021, I was a bit more prepared. For this time, I went with three or four pairs of shoes and more <laughs> T-shirts and jackets and gloves. It's November and so on. 
and I won that event. Uh, so the one at Whitaker, I won with 34 hours, so 242 kilometers of running. And the one in Bern, which was October last year, which is again happening this year as well, I won with 51 hours of running. <laughs> 300 and it was around 350 kilometers. Um, Sorry, Dave, but this is this is quite funny because you, you, we talk about EMOM every minute on the minute. So this is every hour on the hour, EHO. Uh, so, so, but it's, yeah, the concept is there in hit trading and things like that. But this is I've never I've never heard of a race like this. What? Why? Yeah, why? Why six point seven kilometers? Is it? Is that just the loop they've created? Yeah, it has to be a 6.7k loop, and the purpose, the, the real reason behind that is that when you get to, when you get to the 24 hours, it's um, it essentially hits 100 miles. Right. Now, okay. there's, there's slight variations to this. Now, yeah. it, it's big in Sweden. It became even bigger during the pandemic because obviously mm. people can't go anywhere and do anything. And if I win, there's a satellite championship um, in October. If I win that, I get entry to go to the world championships in in the US. So it's kind of taken off, and it's uh, yeah, it's you know, it's I've never performed. When you get a taste of, and I've, look, I've never been a, a how can I say really good at anything. I think that sums it up. Kind of, I've, I've, I've been, I've, I'm, I'm okay at sport, but I'm, I haven't really been good at anything. And you know, I, 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 I was the guy on literally on the on the football team. I'll get picked last, and when they pick me, I go and go. <laughs> that, that's that sums up kind of my 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 primary school and secondary school. So to to move into switzerland to start running and cycling and here there's kind of an emphasis on outdoors and had i lived had i still lived in the uk maybe i would have done the same um and having having kind of won those events you kind of want to perform really well next time or you want to perform you know i've i've done i've done probably around 10 ironmans extreme ironmans too um not a very good swimmer I come out of the water in 1 hour 30 um i'm fairly powerful on the bike not a great runner. Okay, can do a marathon like three hours, ten, three hours, fifteen. Well, you you could do a bit more than a marathon. Got you. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, but to, I'm not I'm not anyone that's really like wow, really. You know, I, I've got a demanding job, and I, I try to fit all of this in with you know managing a relationship, managing work, and you want to perform really highly. You still got to. This morning's a good example. I woke up at four o'clock in the morning to go and do a 15K run and to go and do some deadlifts in the gym. Like, I'm exhausted. But you choose, you know, you, you choose what you want. If you, mm. Back to kind of wishing for it, right? If you wish for it, but you got you got to be active on it. Yeah. So, Nima, you <clears throat> because we've got to ask you this, right? You, you've done all this, like, extreme stuff. And, and there's no getting away from this it. extreme, right? I mean, it's it really is at the end of, of, of the scale in some respects. When did you when did you get into sport? Because it sounds like you you at, at school uh, and maybe at college you, you you weren't you weren't really that sporty. No, look, I'm absolutely not. Look, I did my and and, and I'm not I'm not the the right person that anyone should look up to in any way because I did my first triathlon in 2014 when i lived in germany and that triathlon was an iron man um he started with an iron man and i i finished you know 
eight minutes before cutoff. So I'm finished. not <laughs> finished, but, but it's funny you say that, right? There's a, there's a race, there's a hundred miler in the UK. It's called the Ark of Attrition. It runs That's all a great around. name. That's a great name. It's a great name. It's a point to point race in the UK along the coast. And, um, Cornwall. Cornwall. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that, uh, Jason. And, um, there was 120 people that started. 17 finished. Because there was it was a weekend, there was you know storms and floods and the rest of it. So 120 started, um, 17 finished. I was number 17, and I was comfortable with that. So for me, it's always been the case of finishing. Um, and 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 I've my my Instagram name is Nima Finisher. <laughs> I always finish. I've never not finished a race. I actually well that's a, that's a lie actually. I had a mechanical at one event, but anyway. Um, I've never not finished an event. And now to get to the point where, you know, I found less, I don't want to call it a niche, but I found something that I'm, I would say I'm fairly okay at or good at, and I've won. It's a nice feeling. And I want to, I want to kind of relive that and to do something on the verge of impossible of the cycling. And, and honestly, there, there are no limits. Swimming is no different. I'm not a good swimmer. But I can put me in the water and I'll give you 30 kilometers. Have you have you had yourself you know, physiologically tested? I mean, have they found I and mean, have they sort of looked at your your no in all seriousness, yeah, sort of like have you got some sort of extraordinary VO2 max which you didn't know you had? Um yes, yes, or, you're, you're, you're slow twitch, you're you're just inundated with slow twitch fibers, not fast twitch. Yeah. I mean, what's yeah. the mm. I don't know. Um, I've, I've, again, I, this isn't, I'm not saying this to brag. This is, I don't know any other way. I've never had a coach. I eat what I want. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, can get yeah. That. I, I have a, <laughs> my, my Garmin Fev on my watch. I have a VO2 max of 67. I don't know what that means. Um, I, pretty good. It's pretty good. Okay. So, yeah, it's, you know, no, I haven't had myself checked out. Um, maybe mentally I should. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, some, some may say that, not everyone. Certainly not on this podcast. No, no, we're, we're God, married. No. So, I mean, what 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 drove you to, to make this, I mean, you know, a switch from a non-sport in life to, to diving straight into an Ironman? Was, what was the catalyst for that? I uh, saw some saw someone at the airport. Our flight our flight to the to LA was cancelled. Saw someone with with a there was a lady in front of me, also had missed the connection. She had a an Iron Man backpack and an Iron Man tattoo. And I asked her what it was, and she said it's called an Iron Man. It's a triathlon. You swim, bike, and run. And I just happened to live five hundred meters from the start. Uh, and and I and that's another thing, because I have such limited time in the 24 hours as in it's dedicated to, to, you know, four hours, five, six, seven hours sleeping, two hours gym, 12 hours work, you know, a, a cup, an hour or two with friends or um, with my missus. Cause I have such limited time. I pick stuff that's always close to me. Always. That's, that's, that's a, that's a key in everything I do. If I run, I pick the same route because I know that I have an hour and a half. I take 45 minutes, one route way, 45 minutes back. I'm done. Um, if I, you know, 
uh, if I want to cycle, I usually pick this. That's why Sunday I know what I'm doing. Or if I want to go Monday, I know that, okay, Monday's gym day. So I know that also Sunday, um, if I want to, if I want to go hard on the bike on Saturday, I don't do squats on a Friday. So it's very, very rest time and eating time. All of that is so finite. Um, and it's kind of what I do with it. That, that mm. counts. Back to your question. When did it all start? It's, um, it's been a gradual, gradual development, Jason. Right? You don't start with look back. I couldn't run. Couldn't run five kilometers back in two thousand. You know, thirteen. It starts off with little incremental goals. You run five k, then ah, that feels good. How about ten k? You know, yeah, you run ten k. You realize that you can't make it back, so you need to get the bus back. <laughs> right? But that's all the learning. You know, cycling is the same. You do, you do, you do a hundred k. That felt good. Okay, let's now go all the way around the uh, Lac Le Mans or Lake Geneva, hundred and seventy k. You do that. That felt good, but my recovery time is four days. Okay, fine. What do I need to do? Let's eat a little bit better. Let's do a bit more squats. Let's do a bit more deadlifts. Before you know it, you're doing it twice. Recovery time is quicker. So it's you don't rock up saying that you want to do eight hundred kilometers or you want this is a great it, and it's also an understanding on how your body works, how you as an individual and I think everyone is different here, right? You, Greg, Jason, myself, we're all different. Yeah, uh, it it sounds like you're quite um, even though you're you don't have a coach or necessarily any background in 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 coaching or exercise physiology. It it sounds like you're just quite mindful of of what you do and how you do it. And, and you, and you, and you, it sounds like you sort of cycle and run, not by the seat of your pants, but you sort of, you just base it, base it, you go by how you feel. Yeah, what feels right. hundred percent. I am. Um, look, the, the, I, I, the, the, what really helped my, my training was the indoor trainer. And I think Greg, you're spot on. Um, training to power was really good because I could see it. Mm. Oh, wow. It's okay. You know, that's what 300 watt feels like. Oh, wow. That's what they mean by 400 or 250. Okay. Mm. I got that. Mm. Um, but, and I think where I've seen people go too far with it is the stats become everything. Yeah. The heart rate, the power, um, measuring my, you know, the taking all the trims off the chicken and the steak and, and the rest of it. And, Look, and it might work, right? It might it might shave off, you know, a, a half an hour, an hour off your time, and and that that might be a goal. And if you need to do that, you might need to lose a couple of kilos, and maybe the fat trimmings are not good to have. I don't operate that way, and I love the tri- I love a full English. I, I miss a full English breakfast, <laughs> you know, baked beans and hash browns and deep fried kebab. Like I love that stuff. <laughs> I know it's not good for me. But I think there's there's a balance to all of that too, right? You mm. gotta enjoy it, right? Mm. And if it becomes all about the numbers, then sometimes you just don't go out there. I went for a ride two weeks ago, no heart rate monitor, no power, just just based on feel, just to enjoy it. Had fun. Mm. Yeah, you see well, it, right? You see people burning out all the time. Well, we we talked about this in the past on on the podcast about you know the amount of metrics that there are, particularly in cycling. Um, and how you can get bogged down by it. And I think we were talking to Robin Brews, a triathlon coach and ex-Olympic uh, swimmer, and he was saying, yeah, it takes him sometimes up to two weeks to sort of uh, get his, 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 uh, his athletes off 
the off the tech uh, in terms of going. Yeah, they say go go cold turkey, but they slowly have to come off it in order for them to then realize that they can actually go out and as you say just enjoy it. You know, yeah, just go out and smell the coffee, uh, as it were. So, yeah, and it also sounds that you you train pretty much every day, like like almost like a full time athlete. Look, this sounds really weird. I, I absolutely hate training. I hate, I, I hate running. Um, I think the one sport that I really probably enjoy is cycling, but I enjoy cycling to the point that I don't like to suffer. Um, but but the reality is, I know I have to suffer if I want to. You know, like no one wants to wake up at four o'clock in the morning. Like my wife practically kicked, kicked me out of bed this morning because I ended up pressing snooze till four thirty. Mm. Right. So you know, if if I'm, it's I don't enjoy it. The work that it's it's something I feel like I I think it's the wrong word to say I have to do it because we all have a choice. But I also know back to kind of what we discussed at the beginning. It's not just you got to wish for it, but you got to execute on it too. And if I, I know myself, if I rock up next week, Thursday, um, feeling even if there's 5% of me or a percent of me that feels that I haven't given it my all or I could have done those extra hours of training, I'll be gutted and disappointed in myself. So I think maybe there is a bit of fear, fear of failure. And mm-hmm. if it happens, it happens, you learn from it. But I think you need that, you know. I think everyone needs that. Well, I think talking to you or hearing you talk like that, it, it's very much a – it's almost in your DNA. It's it's you're challenge. You are challenging yourself way beyond what most people would ever even consider, um, and you're just seeing how far you can push yourself, and that's and that's an incredibly positive thing. Um, and and yeah, hats off to you. <laughs> Incredible stuff. No, um, yeah, it's. I, I get asked the question: Oh, when are you going to stop? I don't. I, I don't even have an answer to that. Right? When are you going to stop? Like it's. Why do you need to stop? That's that would be my response. Why do I need to stop? Because well, it reminds I mean, me of Forrest Gump when he's he's he starts running and he keeps running and then suddenly he just stops. He goes, "Right, I'm going home." <laughs> that was the, that was the decision. There, yeah, you you make yeah. it when you make it. It is what? Why? Why limit yourself at this stage? Yeah. What sort of shape are you in now for for a week's time? Are you are you feeling good, Nemo? Uh, physically, I feel good. Mentally, I'm a, I'm a bit exhausted. Just, um, just yeah, just work and you know long hours and everything else that goes with it. Um, but I think there's again with that is if if like you're not tapering off, so to say, you are tapering off slowly. But you can't really. The problem is you can't really train for an event like this, right? You kind of for me, I think it's it's probably maybe twenty percent both for nutrition and your physical ability. So that, that the together, probably, you know, 40%. And I think 50, 60% of it is pure mental. Mm. And for the mental aspect of it, I need to rest my mind and to rest my mind, I need to sleep and, you know, just not do sport. So I already know, you know, Sunday I go around the lake um, on my bike and that's it. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I do nothing. So last year when I won both events, I won both events not doing I, – I had run probably 60 kilometers all the, all, from January all the way through to the event, which was in um, July. 
I had run 60 kilometers total. Wow. So all of my all of my training was on the bike. So that's an example. You don't necessarily need to be good at running to be able to do these events. That you reach a point where it's again at, at the thirtieth hour, providing you haven't broken your leg or that so you've had a, a nasty fall. It's when you get in a, a, at the fiftieth minute and you've got ten minutes. What's the what's the bit that's going to get you up back up at the fifty ninth minute to go back out there and do another lap? That's what this comes down to. Hmm. And that, that's why if I can rest my mind in, in the right place, I'll be good. Nima, it, it sounds like you know, the amount of stuff you've done, it sounds like you haven't injured yourself very often. And I think you've just answered that by saying, oh, you've only run 60 kilometers. <laughs> I suspect. <laughs> yeah, it's this, the cycling, yeah, uh, uh, low impact. <laughs> and, and you are doing weights, in fairness, which is good. But uh, it sounds like you just don't do, don't, don't do the amount of mileage to potentially that will impact you negatively. Is that, would that be a fair? I think that's a fair, fair statement. Most of my training is probably also, like I said, about suffering. Hmm. Um, you know, give me as, as give put me in zone five and six, and honestly, you know, I'll hate you forever. But put me, <laughs> but put me in zone two for 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 forty eight hours, and I can do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's again that that's music to our ears because we we've when we've uh, spoken to various people about this, you know, it's, it's the eighty twenty rule, eighty percent of your effort in uh, in in zone two. Um, and that's what you—that's what you do. But you've—you you should be my coach. No, that, that, no. I'm just—I'm just no. I'm just—I'm just on the shoulder of giants, mate. I'm on the shoulder of giants. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nima, um, look, it's been amazing talking to you. Mm. We, you, you. I know you've listened to one or two podcasts of ours, um, which is which is fab to hear. Um, but we always finish off with two questions. And we ask the same questions to every, every every guest that's come on with us. Same question. So um, it starts with if you could only ever do two sports or two forms of exercise, what would those two be? Deadlifts and cycling. <laughs> deadlifts. Wow. Okay. I guess the first for deadlifts, isn't it, Greg? Uh, that surpasses that is, that is, your, yeah, yeah. your sort of comment. I that is I I'm up with that. I like that. I like that. Heavy wow. compound lifting, yes, nice, nice, very good, very good. <laughs> why deadlifts? Come on, yeah, I, we know cycling, but why? Deadlifts? It's, it's my little secret, to be honest. It's uh, I, I um, I don't think people underestimate how much it's. I, you need to be able to do uh, uh, strength training is is key, right? Mm. I, it's you know, I think a lot of people think it's. Uh, it, it it protects you if you have a fall. Yeah. Um, it's it it prevents injury to some extent, mm. um, and it gives you just makes you makes you an all rounder, stronger. Deadlift for me is a, it, it's an you know it helps me it, it helps me when I when I when I go uphill when I climb uphill, both running and and cycling. And again, I integrate squats in there too. Squats, I'm a little bit more hesitant and careful with, just because you're, you, if you're more prone to injury with a squat than a deadlift. I find yeah. at least personally. Um, 
but yeah, the strength training for me is that's what, that's what's going to keep you keep you in the game. Okay, so for the listeners out there, take us through a deadlift routine. How much uh, how much weight? How many reps? How many sets? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm 74 kilos. Oh, Greg, um, you're in heaven now. I, I am. See, I, am. I can see I am. salivating at this. I am. <laughs> I'm I'm 74 kilos. I do five sets of eight reps. I put the deadlift at um, I'm I'm at a slight raise around maybe three or four inches. So I I, I get a bit more um, a bit more kind of flex in my in my hamstrings yeah and then arm straight and then back up that's it and once i've done that i then switch to five sets of oh and then weight wise um i do so 30 kilos either side so 60 plus the plus the bar of 20 so about 80 kilos so i'm okay. roughly around just a little a little bit of a body weight and that's how, how many times a week and that's uh twice a week now so I do. I did it this morning, and I usually do it on um, Sunday late afternoon, um, like kind of when I'm back from cycling. If I if I can oh, get okay. to it, so I do that. And then after I do that setup, um, I go to the squats, and I um, and then to kind of finish that finish that entire set off to to kind of wrap it up before I go home, um, I do five sets of two minute planks. Um, and honestly, for me, that's uh, that, what that really helps me with is at least on a TT bike. I mean, I don't move. Mm. One, I mean, I, I you know, I'll, I'll push three hundred watts for five, you know, for, what four hours, and I won't move. Like cool. body wise, is, is flat. Mm. Well, I'm not surprised with those planks for two minutes. Of, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> you could probably put a that's weight on stuff. top of you on the TT bike, and you probably great. still. Love that. That's amazing. Uh, cool. Okay. So, um, well, Greg, you do the honors with the Okay. Last one. Well, thank you. Um, so this is the, um, this is the groundhog day of, uh, of your sporting, sporting life, Nima. Uh, so if there's one moment in your, in all the activities you've done uh, over the years, there's one moment which you could relive day, day after day. Uh, what would it be? A mo- not necessarily a full event or a moment in an event. It could be anything. Just just cycling with Pete, just having my support. Uh, honestly, one of the best experiences of my life um, to this day was having a support crew and riding with so many people uh, during the Everesting event. Mm. Absolutely selfless. So much love and just energy in that entire experience from beginning to end and i absolutely loved it so if there was one thing i would love to live is just to be able to cycle every single day and just just be able to do epic stuff things Mm. stuff that's on the verge of again like this on the verge of impossible right Mm. where people look at you know i would i would love to do that um and maybe one day i can it's um for now however it's just uh you just it's kind of a side hobby yeah, you, you you've got a marriage to look after for a bit, and then then. <laughs> I love how you say for a bit, <laughs> and then you, then you can say, "Darling, I've I've been thinking." <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, but then at the same time, it's it's also you know I think it's uh, it's one of those things when when you haven't got it, you want it, and if you do get it, you're like, actually, maybe my sixty hour work weeks were actually not that bad. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's uh, yeah. Look, it's um, 
yeah, just the moments of just being with people and and just yeah, the, the, yeah, this this is good. Doesn't matter what you're doing. I think for me, as long as you're having fun, that's it, right? If you don't have, if you're not, you you you're you're always gonna lose against someone who absolutely loves doing it, right? That's it. Because if if they love walking, they will walk more than you in any situation. Mm. So. Well, Nima, judging by, and, and I'd say everyone should watch the video and we'll put it in the show links, but, uh, and I know it's edited and what have you, but you looked as if you had a smile on your face from the first hour right through to the to the nth hour on, on the Everesting. And I can picture you now probably running around on your 50th lap, still um, relatively smiling at it. Um, so I take my hat off you um, and we'll cheer you on and support you next next Thursday. It's uh, yeah. good luck with it. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, hope, hope you do really well. But if nothing else, I just hope you have fun and enjoy it. Very, very kind. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Greg. It's good to be on the show. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Nima. Good night, guys. Cheers. Good night, Bye. gentlemen.